Um, so, a few weeks ago, Marley facilitated a conversation uh, around the topic of spiritual trauma. Uh, and it was really weird because we were sitting around a bonfire at the Ali's place, and it was really beautiful, and it was really lovely, and it was kind of weird to be talking about such intense topics uh, in such a beautiful place. Uh, it was a really weird juxtaposition. Um, so now we're in the ugly place? Now we're in the ugly place. Because you don't like that there's not very lights on the ceiling. I love how you know that. I love how that's a thing now that everyone knows about me. Um, but having that conversation uh, at that time, it got me thinking, um, a lot of us have really bad stories uh, about the church and our experiences in the church. Because uh, we heard that on the night. But my question was, if that's the case, why are we all still here? <laughs> so despite all of these stories, what brings us here? Uh, what brings us to church tonight? What brings us to this faith community? Why don't we just dismiss Christianity and move on to something else? Why are we all here? Uh, now, I obviously can't answer that for everybody here. Uh, we've each got our own reasons, uh, and some of them will probably be quite different from other people's. Uh, some of us may have actually given up on the whole Christianity thing, and still uh, like the sense of community, or something like that, and that's totally fine. Um, but everyone here will be different. But it's still a question that I think I'd like to have an answer to for myself. So, as cliche as it sounds, for me, the answer definitely begins with Jesus. Uh, and I just can't get away from that. Uh, when I look at Jesus, it's like my heart melts. Um, I long for the world that he describes. I long for the life that he says is open to us. And you can see that, you can see those things uh, in tonight's reading. The reading for tonight is from the book of Mark, chapter 9, and it begins in verse 30. Jesus and his followers went through Galilee, but he didn't want anyone to know it. This was because he was teaching his disciples. The human one, um, or the son of man, which is a title that Jesus often used for himself, the human one will be delivered into human hands. They will kill him. Three days after he is killed, he will rise up. But they didn't understand this kind of truth, and they were afraid to ask him. They entered Capernaum. When they had come into a house, he asked them, What were you arguing about during the journey? They didn't respond, since on the way they had been debating with each other about who was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first, must be, last, must be least of all and the servant of all. Jesus reached for a child, placed him among the twelve and embraced him. Then he said, Whoever welcomes one of these children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me isn't actually welcoming me, but rather the one who sent me. So, Jesus says a few things here. Uh, but the main thing that I take away from this is Jesus saying, if you want to be the greatest, you ironically have to be the least. You have to be the servant of all. And I really love that because it's so simple, but also so profound. 
it turns upside down everything that I believe. Jesus completely redefines what it actually means to be great. And the life that Jesus invites us into, the ones who are honoured are the ones who pour themselves out for others. They're the ones who work behind the scenes. They're the ones who often go without thanks. The ones who are honoured are the ones who serve people because they genuinely care about them. The ones who seek the good of all. The ones who aren't satisfied with having enough until they, their neighbour has enough as well. In Jesus' world, those people are the great ones. Now imagine if that's how our world worked. Imagine if making your country great again meant working towards society where people didn't rest until they knew everyone had a place. Everyone was cared for. Everyone had enough and felt they belonged. Imagine if the greatness of a country was determined by its generosity. If every rich country in the world tripped over itself to try and outdo the others in caring for the displaced people of the world. The world would be completely different. But that's not the world we live in now. It's almost laughable that Jesus uses caring for children as an example in the story. Because you think that's something we can all get behind. But there are still children being kept on our road by our government right now. In America, there are 1,500 immigrant children who are forcibly removed from their parents that are still unaccounted for. And the church. What if every church denomination in the world raced towards bankrupting itself to pay reparations for child abuse? even if it meant losing every asset and every property, rather than spending millions to try and protect themselves as much as possible. That would be, that would be a world I want to live in. Jesus paints me a picture of that world. Jesus paints me a picture of a world I want to live in. He paints me a picture of what it means to be human that I want to live out. There are so many ways my heart looks more like it belongs in the way of the world than the way of Jesus. But I keep on finding myself being blown away by the beauty, the beauty that I see in his teaching and his life. That's the direction I want to grow in. Even if I fail a million times, that's the path I want to walk on. Where winning doesn't mean being number one and destroying everyone else in a dog-eat-dog world, but helping everyone to win. Where the person who gave the most to serve others and build them up, that is the person who celebrated as the greatest. That, to me, is beautiful. That's why I keep on being drawn back to Jesus. That's why I keep on coming back to this faith. But it's also more than that for me. If it's true that Jesus is a revelation of God, if it's true that when we see Jesus, we see what God is like, I think that changes everything. Because it means God sees the least of us as the greatest. It means God is on the side of the lowly. God isn't seduced like we are by power and by money. God doesn't use violence and force to solve problems or to beat others into submission. 
If God is truly great, then God must ultimately be servant of all and love all and care for all. And that gives me hope. And the last thing is this. Jesus predicts his resurrection in the story. Now, a lot of us here are totally comfortable with the resurrection story, but I would imagine some of us here would be wondering if it's possible to still believe in a bodily resurrection in the 21st century. And that's fine. But for me, the resurrection is life. Because it shows me that there can be no night so dark that the dawn can't pierce through it. If even the Son of God wasn't spared death, but gave himself over to it for our sake, then I can't be surprised by the darkness that I see in the world. But if the resurrection is true, then it means there's hope. Because death and destruction do not have the final words. Love and life do. That's the Christian story. And that's something I can hold on to. So that's why I keep coming back. That's why I'm here. That's why despite everything, there's nothing more beautiful to me than this Jesus and this gospel. Amen.